Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. You know, we pray as we get this thing going that more and more people just, you know, are going to go eat at a restaurant and they stumble over into church and uh, find uh, the goodness and the mercy of God. Uh, and uh, no matter who you are, whether you're a lifetime word of life or maybe this is your first time here at any church in a long time, we just want to say welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you here at our 6 p.m. service. Uh, this is going to go on every night, uh, so this is not like a, a one-and-done thing. Uh, we're committed to it, and we're, we're expectant to really see God move. And God has, has really been dealing with my heart that God's going to do something here uh, that is not done at any, other, uh, any of our other campuses. And uh, for those of you who may be new to the church, we do have other campuses. Uh, we've got this one that meets every Sunday at 10, uh, and now 6. And then we've got our Lakeland campus over by the, uh, the Walmart that meets at 10, 1130. And then we've got our Highland Colony campus. We got some Highland Colony people here tonight, uh, at, uh, and it meets, it's over by Costco, it meets at 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30 every Sunday, uh, and so we, we'd love to have you join us there, and you know, one of the things I'm always going to ask for when we uh, meet uh, here for Sunday nights is for any of you who may feel called to be seed members to plant right here at the Fondren campus, I think that would be a blessing to us. Uh, and if you're interested in that, or you're new, can we give it up for all the visitors here tonight? If you are a visitor, we're so glad to have you. Uh, if you're a guest or you want to be a, a seed member here at the church, you can go at the end of service to the information bar uh, back there at the back where they have information on tap at every service. Information is on tap back there. Anytime you want it. Uh, let's open up our Bibles if you brought it tonight uh, to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to look here uh, in verse uh, number, let's start off with 11, Mark 11 and verse number 11. It says, Jesus entered into Jerusalem and came into the temple, and after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Uh, that's so interesting to me that Jesus becomes hungry. It makes me feel so connected to Jesus, because <laughs> oftentimes I feel very hungry myself. Um, seeing a, in a distance a fig tree in leaf, which means it should have figs, uh, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said, may no man ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening, and I believe he did this on purpose so that he could later teach them what he's about to teach them. Uh, he goes into the temple, and he casts out and drives out the money changers. And uh, for those of you who might be new to Scripture, or maybe you've heard this story before where Jesus is casting out the, the money changers, this is not like you can't sell coffee in church or you know something like that. Uh, what this is is uh, they operated on a sacrificial system. 
where before you could like worship God, you had to make a sacrifice and people knew this and the people who were running the temples knew this. Uh, So they inflated the prices of the animals uh, to make it very hard for the people to come and worship, but very profitable for them. And so when Jesus is like kicking over the money changing tables and all of those things, the reason why he was is because so many people who were in a lower class were not able to come into the temple and offer sacrifice because the the offerings for the sacrifice, whether it was a lamb or whatever, was so expensive they couldn't afford it. And so you had people drawing near to God because people were making it hard for them to draw near to him. And so Jesus said, enough with this. And he comes in with like a whip. I mean, Jesus just goes all all in it. Comes in with a whip and kicks over tables and all those things and kind of clears it out. And after he does this, he's walking back out of the city and they pass by the fig tree. And watch what happens here in verse number 20. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots. Now notice that it withered up from the unseen then to the sea. Uh, So here you see, and the Bible is clear on this point, uh, when Jesus speaks to the tree, it looks as if nothing happens. Uh, So he says, no man eat fruit of you uh, ever again, and nothing happens. Uh, But something in the unseen was taking place at the roots that when they passed by it again, it's withered up and they saw it began in the unseen and then made its way into the scene. How many of you know sometimes when you're in faith and praying, just because you don't see anything changing in the scene does not mean it's not changing in the unseen? Uh, Which is why you can't give up on God because it could be drying up from the roots, Uh, You might not see any difference uh, with the fruit, but it could be drying up from the roots. And this is why we cannot quit. When we get in faith, we have to stay in faith. Um, And so Jesus is is about to teach them this lesson. They see the fig tree withered up from the roots. In verse 21, uh, being reminded, Peter said unto him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Truly I say unto you, Whosoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not, and this is what we're teaching on tonight, uh, does not doubt in his heart, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted unto him, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted unto him. Therefore, so he's, he's emphasizing this point again. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, notice this, believe that you have received them and they will be granted unto you. So notice what he doesn't say. Let's read verse 24 again. Therefore, I say unto you, all things which soever you pray, they will be granted unto you. He doesn't say that. Uh, He doesn't say pray and you'll get it. Uh, Just ask and I'll hand it to you. Uh, He says, no, this is Jesus. And how many of you think if anyone knew how God worked, it would be Jesus? Amen. Uh, He was God made manifest in the flesh. And he said, this is not about just praying and God being a genie who comes in and grants wishes. Uh, He says, no, Uh, if you pray and believe that you receive, not when you get it, because sometimes it's drying up from the roots. Uh, that if you believe that you receive when you pray, before you get it, when you ask for it, if you believe you received when you prayed and don't doubt in your heart, 
it will be given unto you. Uh, do any of you like road trips? Anybody? Oh, a lot of people like road trips. I do not uh, at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't have anything in common in that, in that area. Um, my first road trip ever as a child that was any extended length of time was my parents had a great idea to take me, I think I was 15, uh, maybe 16, to take me to New Mexico. Uh, to drive from Jackson, Mississippi to New Mexico. So we rented a van, uh, not like, um, uh, you know, um, a big kind of like RV, but a van that had like captain seats in it where you could kind of sit back and recline. And uh, we were going to Santa Fe to stay in a bed and breakfast and look at art. Now, clearly, this, this trip was not designed for a 15-year-old boy because none of this touched any of my interest whatsoever. Uh, but one of the things I've kind of learned as a parent is sometimes it doesn't need to be all about your children, and maybe you should do something for yourself every once in a while. And this was definitely my parents' vacation and not mine. Uh, so the trip to Santa Fe, I had nothing to look forward to, nothing to kind of you know set my hope and affection on. Uh, since that time, I have sworn off every bed and breakfast. That's uh, <laughs> the truth. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, it was just one of those trips that because I didn't have this big expectation for the final destination, um, I was just not overly happy about. And so the whole time I'm, I'm, we're driving, I'm asking, are we there yet? Uh, please tell me we are getting closer. You know, I'm just ready to get out of this car. And then when we finally got to the trip, my dad, and this is the first time it had ever happened in the history of his life, uh, got a kidney stone. And I have never watched anybody in that much pain ever. And so there was no going to art. <laughs> there was no uh, relief whatsoever. There was only pain. And we made the decision to leave early with my dad passing a kidney stone. Way too much information here. All the way back to Jackson with my mom and me taking turns driving. Uh, and it was absolutely miserable. I just wanted to get home. I just wanted to get where we needed to be. Uh, and my point in saying all of this is a roundabout way of saying there is a place where miracles happen. And so oftentimes we are much further away from that place than we actually know. Uh, the place where miracle happens is a place called there. Uh, and it's where you believe you receive, not when you get it, you believe when you, you receive when you ask for it, when you pray. Now, there is no distinguishing um, that when you ask for it and you believe you receive it, you see it in your heart. Uh, so if you're believing God to see God move in a church service while you're praying it, it's not just God move in this church service while you're praying, you are seeing him move. You believe you receive it. In your heart, you see God moving. You're a possessor of that thing. Uh, in your heart, if you're praying and believing God, maybe you need a new vehicle. And there's been times in my life where I needed new transportation, uh, that you're believing God for a car. It's not just, God, I really need a car. Please give me a car. God, give me a car. You see, I need a car. Uh, it is when you pray, you believe you receive. Uh, that you're asking God, a father who you know gives liberally and upbraideth not. 
And that when you, you ask for it, you believe you receive it, not when you get it, but you believe you receive it when you pray, which means you see it. You're at peace with it. You're at rest with it. Uh, the Bible talks about a fight of faith, that when you're, you're in faith, you have to enter into the fight of faith. The fight of faith is nothing but a fight to enter into rest, uh, that you are resting in the fact that you know God's got it. Uh, you're not carrying the care of it anymore. You're not worried or vexed or concerned about it. You know it is over in God's hands because when you prayed, you know you have it. Even if you see nothing different with the fruit, you know God is working with the root. And because you know God is working with the root, you're not even looking at the fig tree when you pass by it. Other people are having to tell you to look at the fig tree because you believed you received when you got it, not when. And you saw something change in the natural. And this is the big distinguishing point. And this is why we don't see miracles is a lot of people are asking God to do something, but that's it. They're asking him to move in their life. They're asking him to move in their family, but that's all they're do. They're, they're asking. They're not in a true position of faith where they're not doubting in their heart and they are a possessor of it in their spirit. And this is where we have to fight to get. Now, don't just believe me uh, because I'm up here telling you this. The Bible teaches that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So here we looked at Mark chapter 11. Uh, let's go over the book of James. In James chapter one, it says something very similar. Uh, and so we want to look primarily here in the New Testament, and then we'll go back and look at some examples in the Old. Uh, but in James chapter 1, uh, we see James uh, write this, and he says this in verse number 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter different types of trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without approach, and it will be given unto him. But he must ask in faith, notice this, verse 6, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, let's, let's look again here in verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, and it would be fair to take out wisdom and be like a job, <laughs> um, uh, health, um, wanting to see something happen in your family, if any of you lacks, fill in the blank, what should we do with that? Uh, we shouldn't just fight to obtain it in our own natural strength. We should ask God for it. We should believe to see God's hand work on it and not just ours. So he comes and he says, let him ask God. And he says, you need to know something about God. He gives to all generously and without approach, it will be given to him. That sounds great. And this sounds like a lot of people's prayer life of like, okay, like, great. I need a job. I'll ask for a job. I need to see God move in my family. I'll ask him to move in my family. Uh, I, I want to see God like help me be more disciplined. So I'll ask him and help me be more disciplined. This is a lot of people's prayer lives. These are a lot of uh, ways people operate. Uh, and it would be great if that's all it was. But if that's all it was, I bet you and me would be seeing a lot more. <laughs> like if it was as simple as that, we would see more of God kind of manifest in our lives. But the Bible does not stop talking there. And all these verses have to be taken into what we call as pastors context and watch the next verse. But if any, uh, uh, verse six, but he must 
ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, a lot of pastors, if we really wanted to like help people, when people came down for prayer and were kind of like in a flustered state, wanting to see God move, if we saw that they were still double-minded, we ought to tell them, in this state, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Uh, but that's very hard to say because as pastors, we want to love everybody and be nice and we want you to like us and we want you to come back to church. Uh, and so out of that, a lot of people, what they get is just more prayer, but they're still not qualifying. And that's why they don't see anything change. Because uh, he says here that you're in a place and there are places where you mean well, you want to see God's hand and not just your own fix something. And so you're doing the right thing. You're praying and you're asking. It's like I'm asking God to move here. So God will move, Right. Maybe. If you ask in faith, nothing doubting. Um, and what's he saying doubting is like? He said it's a double-minded man. And so when you're double-minded, once again, the mind, the mind is inside, not outside. A double-minded person is sometimes, sometimes, like when I'm seeing it, I can see God changing it. Other times, I see it failing and I get really anxious about it. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I, I can really see God like moving in my child's life and like really, really like changing their course. And when I'm praying, I see it, but then something comes up their behavior and I'm like, Oh God, please. And like, I'm back at this place where I'm a little afraid and I'm a little anxious. I'm double minded. And all of these things are going on in the root level. Uh, so the fruit is affecting the root. Uh, what I'm seeing with my eyes is affecting my heart instead of what I see in my heart affecting what I see with my eyes. And he says in this place, he says, it's like a wave that's driven with the wind and tossed. And, and some of you, if you've ever been to the beach, you've kind of seen uh, these waves kind of roll in. And he said, this is a way a lot of people are acting. It's like they're praying and they walk away from the altar and they see Jesus and they're excited about him moving. It's like, God's going to pay the bills. God's going to pay the bills. God's going to pay the bills. And then they get the bill and it's like, oh God, please help me pay the bill and they're right back and what they saw in the natural affected the heart and they're double-minded and now they're back at a place of panic they're back at a place of fear they're back at a place of insecurity uh, they come down to the altar and it's like God's gonna help me break this addiction and they get prayer for it and they're in the service of you are my firm foundation the rock on which I stand and it's like filled with faith in that moment it's like God I won't be shaken this next time and then the next time they see themselves a little shaken and they see themselves falling back into the same temptation and they kind of see this go this way and it's a double-minded person of sometimes I see it and then other times I can't. Sometimes I, I kind of have mastery over it and then other times I don't. And like Peter, I'm stepping out of the boat in these moments of service where like God's really, um, you know, I, I'm really mindful of God and I'm stepping out of the boat on his word because I'm seeing Jesus and eyes fixed on Jesus and I'm seeing a miracle, I'm walking on water but the waves are still going. And these things that concern me are still concerning me. I get my eyes off Jesus and I get them onto the wind and waves. And what happened to Peter when he did that? He began to what? Sink. Uh, and so when he's beginning to sink, is the miraculous power of God working? Yes and no. 
It is there. The same power to walk on water is still there. How do we know that? Because Jesus is walking on water and the word come is still out there on the sea. It's still there, but it's not available to Peter. Why? Because his attention is not on it. He's double-minded. And so he's not experiencing the power of God, even though the power of God is there, because he doesn't see Jesus and the word anymore. He sees the wind and the waves. And so if we want to see God move, we have to get to the place where God moves. And where does he move? When your heart is fixed. Uh, when you have set your face like flint, and flint is just a hard stone. It's like it is not moving. I'm not double-minded. It doesn't matter what I see in the natural. I'm not even looking at the tree. I know God has this. Now, the biggest issue of my life, and I've been pastoring for almost 20 years, and I believe God for a lot, both personally and on a corporate level. The biggest issue of my life has been this issue when it comes to faith is before I receive it, am I a possessor of it? Uh, And there are things, I'm telling you, I told you guys this last week in this service, there are things right now, I know I have them long before you will ever see them. I know I have it. Like in my heart, it's as good as done. And I don't have to see anything change in the natural. I don't care what reports I read. I don't care what comes up. I know in that area, my heart has mastery over that. There are things concerning my children uh, that uh, in the natural would concern people. But in my spirit, I'm at perfect peace. I know God has it. I, I, got, I know within the fabric of my heart, I have seen God move. And I don't have a care in the world over it. Uh, and a report will come. I could care less could care less because I know God has it. And I know it's only a matter of time before things change. And I've seen that with with many other things with my children. I've seen it all play out. Uh, And the issue that I've had is getting there because I know there are some other things in my life that I don't got it. Uh, If I'm being honest, it's like there's some big things that God has put in my heart uh, for uh, the Flowood campus, for instance. Uh, I know God has put in my heart a chapel still. I thought Poindexter would get the chapel out of my heart. The chapel for Flow is still in my heart. Like I know the chapel is there. I see an internship facility there. I see a place to train up Bible school students to teach them uh, how to build churches and plant missions works and, you know, do all these other types of things. I, I see my myself pouring into other pastors and leaders and I see all those things but sometimes I don't see them and I don't know how uh, it'll happen and like I, I see all the money it'll take and I'm like God I already believed you for so much and like all those types of things and I get tired and I know I don't see it and as long as I know I'm there uh, I know I'm not going to see the power of God Uh, So in order to see the power of God, I've got to get out of my double-mindedness and I've got to get in a place of rest until all I see is the promise of God, even when I look at the tree and it looks like the fruit is still on it, Uh, that it hasn't withered up. And you got to get to that place. And my question has always been is how in the world do you get there and how far away am I from it? Uh, Because it seems like we've been driving to New Mexico for a very long time and we are still not there. Uh, And uh, for me, it has come down to something uh, very, very simple. So years ago, and you've heard me tell this story before, does anyone have a handkerchief or anything? Normally I have one. It gets a little hot under these lights. It's okay if you don't. I see one back there. It's getting passed down. We got Tyler bringing it. Can we give it up for Tyler? 
Thank you, Marcus. A little handoff here from one to another. Here we go. That's right. Teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, so, um, but out of this, um, years ago, me and my wife had dinner at a local restaurant. Uh, and how, how about the Fondren community and its restaurants that are around here? I mean, we've got some of the best of the best uh, right here in the community. But me and my wife were having dinner at a restaurant, and we were simply talking about where we saw ourselves. Now, once again, notice the terminology, where we see ourselves. What do we see here? A double-minded man. Uh, So when you you see something, you want it fixed. You want your heart to have the capacity to grab a hold of it. Nothing shaken, not doubting in his heart, believing you receive, not when you get it, but when you pray. And so we're talking about what we see. And so I'm saying all of these things of like, in five years, we'll be here. And in 10 years, we'll be here. And like all these other types of things, we keep communicating and just having a lovely dinner. And I I get home. And as soon as I get home, I step into the, 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 the doorway from the garage into the house. And as, as soon as I do, I can tell in my heart, I have grieved the Holy Spirit of God. And, and hear me out on this. He can be grieved. Uh, so God will absolutely never leave you, never forsake you. God is not like this vengeful God who's ready to punish you. Uh, but he can be grieved. Like I can hurt him. I can hurt him the way I talk about you. Um, I can hurt him in the way I, I, I treat you. Um, and, and sometimes I can even hurt him in what I say. And I, can, I, I stepped in the house and just on the inside, I, I could tell I had grieved my, my friend. I had wounded the heart of my father. And I'm walking from the, the garage over into my, my bedroom and I walk in my uh, um, closet. I'm taking off my, my uh, jacket. And I said, Lord, what is that? I can tell I, I, I've grieved you. What is that? And he, he spoke to my heart. And when I say God spoke to me, like, don't get weird. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, like something coming from the outside or like a magical voice shouting from heaven. Uh, when God speaks to us, it's just like this gentle prompting on the inside. It's, it's like this, this knowing. Uh, first John put it this way. If you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. What an interesting terminology. An unction and you know you know. Well, I know what? All things. That word unction means a rubbing. And some of you have had this of like you you walked into a place and it's like, I shouldn't be here. And you thought it was you, but it was God trying to speak to you. Leave. Or you've been around somebody and it's like, I don't need to be around you. (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't need to listen to you right now. And you just knew it. Well, that's God trying to get your attention. And the more you walk with God, and I want to do a teaching on this actually on Sunday nights, is just learning how to be led by God. But the more you walk with God, the more that becomes real to you. And I just sense God speak to me on the inside like a knowing, and this is what I got. Like it was just this knowing of who told you it would take that long? And I said, what? And I just had this knowing on the inside of like at dinner, I wasn't even thinking about the conversation. We're just making small talk. And he said, at dinner, you and your wife were talking about where you would be in five to 10 years. Who told you it would take that long? And I said, Lord, I said, no one told me it would take that long. 
And this is exactly what I said. I just assumed with the natural progression of things that in five to 10 years, this is where we would be. He said, Joel, here's the problem with this. What you said you could do in five to 10 years, I could do in one. And then he said this statement to me just on the inside, and I've never forgotten it. It's been one of the the core uh, moments of my life, just a turning point. He said, but until your wildest dreams become tame, they will never come true. Until your wildest dreams become tame, they will never come true. Now, what in the world does that mean? Uh, For me to see a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that person think they will receive anything from God. Uh, A double-minded man, nothing in his heart, Mark chapter 11, nothing in his heart, nothing in her heart, nothing in their heart that is doubting it will come to pass. Believing you receive when you pray, all these types of things. Uh, For me to see those things that I said uh, would happen in five to 10 years, happening in one was a wild dream. It's like, that'll never happen. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see that happening in five to 10 years. Like, I couldn't see being debt-free, like, with that thing uh, in a year. Like, in 10, yeah. Uh, But, like, by a year, no. It's like, as long as it's there, it will never come true. And so immediately I began to ask the Lord. He didn't answer me that night, but later on, weeks later, the Lord began to teach me this. How in the world do you tame a wild dream? Where it's like, I know I need to see it in order to see it, but how in the world do you see it so you can see it? Like, I know I need to get to this place where I'm not double-minded and stressed out about it, where I have mastery over it in my heart. I'm not doubting. I'm not concerning. I'm excited. I can walk by it. I'm not even looking to see if it's there because I know it is. I know God's working. Even if I can't see it, we sing the song. Even when I can't see you, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. He's always working. Like, to get to that point of kind of knowing that God is working, even if I can't see him working, that how do I get to that point? And what I've seen is throughout scripture, there were many people who had wild dreams that they tamed. Uh, And one of them was a man by the name of Abraham. Let's go over and look at it. Uh, To the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And we'll look here in Genesis chapter 15. And verse number one, it says, after these things, uh, this is after he tithed. (laughs) So Abraham has just tithed uh, to a man by the name of Melchizedek, who is a type and shadow of Jesus. And he has just brought his tithe and watch what God has to say to him. After these things, after he tithes, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, don't fear Abraham. I like that. So if you've been wrestling with fear, uh, with tithing, Abraham did too. Do not fear. I am a shield to you and your reward will be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham, Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Now, backtrack. Do you remember God came to Abraham and he's like, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make your seed great in the earth. Uh, So God gives him and Sarah a promise that they're going to have a child uh, and that from this child will come a nation 
and that this nation will be something that literally blesses the whole earth. And it did. Like, here we are today. Uh, But years go by uh, from the time God gives him this promise, and it is incredibly frustrating to Abraham. And so God comes, and he's speaking to him after he ties, and he's like, look, don't freak out. Uh, Don't be afraid. I'm a shield for you, and I will reward you for what you just did. And he's like, okay, great, but while we're talking, he said, you have basically made me this promise that I will have a child. And he's like, you bless me with all this stuff, and you're telling me my reward will be great, but I don't have anybody to give it to. Like, I'm going to have to give it to this employee over here because you have blessed me with no child. Now, question, has he seen it yet? No. And so as a result of him not seeing it yet in here, has he seen it out here? No. It's amazing to me, and I've seen this happen 20 years almost of pastoring. I've come across a lot of people who get in faith. And what I have noticed is is that for some people in specific areas of their life, it's very easy for them to see it. And then for other people, it's amazing God shows up for them financially all the time. And I see this person over here, they struggle with that. But they're the same person who struggles with with getting something financially. They just walk in health. And the same person who's believing God so easily financially is like really struggling in that arena. And for Abraham, it was very easy for him to believe that God would bless him financially. But when it came to having this child, this is important, he just couldn't see it. And in this this area of his life, what is he? He's double-minded. Like he wants to be excited about it and God has spoken to him and he built a sacrifice when God spoke it to him and he worshiped him. But he's still at this place where he is so frustrated over it. And when he tells, God tells Sarah, you're going to have a child. You know what she does? She laughs and she's like, have a child. She's like, I'm old, but he's old too. Like This is not going to work. They can't see it. It's a wild dream, and as long as this wild dream is wild, it cannot come true. And so God has to get him into a place that before he receives Isaac, he receives Isaac. That before he holds Isaac, he holds Isaac. I'm telling you, the whole last three months, one statement that keeps coming back up in my heart is this. I'm going to say it every time until it gets in you. But the future is not what lies in front of you. The future is what lies within you. And if it gets in you, it is only a matter of time, spiritually speaking, until it comes on you. And so in here, if you want to create the life that you want out here, it must be created in here first. Uh, And so God is trying to bring something in Abraham's life. But the problem is in Abraham's life with this one particular thing, he is so double-minded. Sometimes he sees it and other times he can't. So watch what God does for him in verse number four. Then the word of the Lord came unto him and he said, this man will not be your heir. This employee will not be your heir. But one will come forth from your own body, and he will be your heir. Then he took him outside and said, now, I'm talking about taming a dream. He took him outside and said, now, look towards the heavens, count the stars. Are you able to count them? And he said to him, no, so shall your descendants be. 
And then he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it unto him as righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur to give you this land and to possess it. Uh, Now, notice what he does here in verse number five. He said, he took him outside and said, look towards the heaven and count the stars. Are you able to count them? And he said unto him, so shall your descendants be. Uh, And so he's trying to get Abraham in a position where he sees something in his heart. And so he gives him something to look at with his eyes until it gets in his heart. Now, this is very interesting. He's trying to get Abraham to not be double-minded because as long as he's double-minded, God can't get him what... This is not just a desire that Abraham has for his life. This is a desire that God has for Abraham's life and something that is critical to the rest of the Bible. Like, it is absolutely critical. So God is trying to position this, and so he says, okay... We've got a problem with you seeing something with your heart. So I want you to see something with your eyes until you see something with your heart. I want you to see something with your eyes until you see something with your heart. I want you to see something with your eyes until you see something in your heart. So he gave him something that every time Abraham stepped out of his tent at night, he saw every time. Night after night, day after day, he steps out at night. And if you've ever been, I've been to Dubai, I've been to Egypt, I've been to Lebanon, I've been to Israel, I've been to this part of the world. When you step outside in the desert, all you see are stars at night, as far as the eyes can see. And every time he's looking at these stars, he is absolutely seeing the promise of God. So shall my descendants be. Can I count them? No. So shall my descendants be. And it says this statement that in this moment, with Abraham looking at these stars, that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And the Lord spoke to my heart and dealt with me about this. And he said, Joel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set some things before your eyes until all you can see with your heart is what you set before your eyes. Uh, And I began to kind of like set these things out. And at this time, like this was long before like the vision board stuff kind of came out and like all of these other things that people wrote. But I just began to set God's promises, like all of his scriptures. I printed up all of these confession sheets that just was scripture after scripture for God's plan for my life. And I set them before my eyes. And then I began to set pictures of, of things that I wanted to see and that what I knew God wanted me to do. I've been and traveled churches all over the United States and looked at their foyers and looked at the children's departments and began to cut out images. And everything that you see in Lakeland uh, campus, I saw all of that long before I saw it. And I cut, I'm like, I want a cafe like this, and I want the sanctuary to kind of come down like this with the seating, and I want a curtain like this. I saw that at a hotel. I want a curtain like this that kind of separates the cafe from the rest. I took a picture of it, and I built this book, and I would look at it all the time, and look at it all the time, and look at it all the time, and look at it all the time, until what I saw out there got in here. I saw the promises of God out there until it got in here. And these wild dreams began to become tame and tamer and tamer and tamer. And when I knew I had it, it was only a matter of time before it came in my life. 
And what I want to encourage you to do in your own life is to go on this journey of the things that you are believing God for, that you find scriptures that support your case. And you pull them out and you write them down or you create a fancy journal. If you have pretty writing, write it down. My writing is awful. Uh, So for me, I like to pull out images. But every single day of my life, I literally write out and I look at images of what I'm believing God for. In fact, uh, here tonight, I always like to handwrite my messages. Uh, And so you can see this message. I like to handwrite it and then I have them transcribed so that when I travel overseas, I can pull them out anytime I want to look at them. Uh, But at the front are all the things I want to see God do this year with scriptures that support my case. And every single morning of my life, I open this. And for three days at the end of every December, I go to a missions trip and I sit out and I look at the stars and I say, God, what do you want to do next year? I'm not just talking to you about my desires. God, what do you desire for me to do next year? What do you desire to do? One of the things he told me he desired was a Sunday night service. So I wrote it down. I looked at it. And every single day, I've done this for the last 16 years, every single day I get before God with the scriptures he's given me for the year and the thing he wants me to bring in. And there are some other things that I want to see God do for my mom and I want to see God do for my wife and I want to see God do for my children. But it's not just a hope and a prayer. I'm trying to get to the place where in my heart I am not doubting and double-minded, but when I look at my children, I see them through the promise of God. When I look at my wife, I see her through the promise of God. When I look at the church, I'm seeing it through Christ. That I'm not just seeing my goals and my desires as they currently stand. I'm seeing them through Christ Jesus. That when I look even at something that may be hurting someone in my life's physical body, I don't see that symptom with their own natural eyes. I see it through the shed blood of Jesus and the stripes that are on his back. And I contend for it in prayer. And as I believe God, I see those things that I I see in my heart begin to come to pass with my eyes and I check it off. I check it off and I check it off. And each one fuels God's faithfulness in my life. And out of that, God's faithfulness then begins to fuel my faith. And I want to encourage you in your own life to go on this journey where you're ridding yourself of double-mindedness, but you're writing out scriptures and you're finding images of what you want to see God do in your life and you fight to see those things and you pull out the invisible until it becomes visible and you contend and you pray. Even if you see the fruit not changing, you know it's changing from the root up and it will surely come to pass. Amen, church. Let's fight the fight of faith. Let's tame some wild dreams. Let's believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Let's stand our feet all over this place. And, you know, we always like to end with worship and allow the Holy Spirit to just confirm things in our hearts. Uh, And so let's just come to a place where we just believe to just see God refresh us in these last couple of minutes and moments of service. And let's just draw near to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We just thank you for all that you have blessed us with. And Father, we just take this moment and we just ask you to fill this space. And for those who may be wrestling with being double-minded, 
And for those who may be in this place where they might be so overwhelmed like Abraham was with years of frustration of not seeing something that now they're not just seeing it with their eyes, but they're not seeing it with their heart. Would you allow your Holy Spirit right now to just begin to speak new promises over that dream and to just wash them with the water of your word tonight until they stand in the fabric of your promises. Father, we love you and we just thank you that your Holy Spirit does what only he can do in our midst and in this moment right now. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord tonight.